yes i'm so lucky that i have a prophet in my heart i have a god in my mind who is always guiding me on the right path and it is so simple it is so simple everyone has a holy book in her heart in his heart and we must listen to it and there is a god in our minds we must listen to him or her this is in good faith listening to first person experiences of faith and belief on in good faith it's our privilege to hear stories and accounts from believers told in their own words our hope is to listen with an open heart celebrating the power of faith and belief and what those stories mean to the ones who tell them I'm speaking in good faith today with educator and activist Zaudin Yousafzai. Mr. Yousafzai, thank you so much for speaking with me. You are welcome. I'm honored. Thank you. You're coming to me from the UK today, although originally from the Swat Valley in Pakistan. Mr. Yousafzai is an educator, human rights campaigner, and social activist. In the Swat Valley, he, at great personal risk, peacefully resisted the Taliban's efforts to shut down schools and kept his own school open. And he, of course, is also known as a great supporter of his daughter, Malala Yousafzai, a Nobel Peace Prize laureate. Let me ask you, Mr. Yousafzai, will you paint just a picture for me of when you were a young boy and the city you grew up in, in the Swat Valley? What was that like? Oh, beautiful. Uh, Basically, I grew up in the east of swat valley and that was later on that part be- became a district in its own it's called shangla so you can say swat but it's the eastern part of the swat like mountainous part of the swat uh, swat is has a lot of mountains but that is more hilly area so i grew up in a small village in district of shangla swat and my village was at the bottom of the hills like not small hill tall mountains I could see like uh, mountains, tall mountains, east, west, north, south, and the mountain towards the north was like snow-capped, beautiful, and we had a quite big stream at the bottom. So I grew up in a very, very natural environment with lush green fields, trees, streams, like in the lap of nature. And I remember that my father, who was himself an educator, a cleric, in the mosque, like a Maulana, he was very fond of the natural environment. And he always told me, look, Ziauddin, the nature is an open book. Learn from it, read it. So I really grew up in a very natural valley of Shangla Swat. And beside the natural beauty and everything that was very beautiful, the community was quite backward. There was quite a lot of poverty, and also it was typically patriarchal. This is where I grew up, like in the school, in the primary school where I uh, received uh, my primary education. For some months, we didn't have any roof, and we studied under a big tree, a big maple tree. And those were the most beautiful days of my education. (laughs) And we sat on the rugs and the mats and the dusty rugs, uh, but the passion for education was huge. So sitting on those mats with big dreams, oh my God. So even <laughs> we didn't have washrooms in our school. 
And we used to answer the call of nature in a nearby, <laughs> like a, a, a place which was quite a bushy area. So that was my early education. And then I, then when I graduated from primary school, I went to the high school where my father was also a teacher over there. So I completed my high school education in Shangla. And then I moved down to Mengora town, the big town of Swat Valley, where I started the higher secondary school and then college education. Growing up with your father as a cleric, I assume that the daily life and the, the weekly holy days in the mosque, that that was a big part of your life. Will you tell me about oh that? Oh my goodness. You're... Of course. I opened eyes in a house, in a family who was uh, all about Islam and all about religion because um, my father was a prayer leader in the mosque. So it was his duty to lead prayers in the local mosque, which is called Central Mosque of the community, five times. It was his duty. And uh, then he always gave special sermons on Fridays. And my father was a great speaker. Oh, my God. He was a fiery speaker. And I remember that every Friday in those days, we had not these mobiles and stuff. And uh, people were so fond of his speech that they used to bring tape recorders to tape his voice, uh, <laughs> his speeches. In the mosque, when he was sitting in a pulpit, I can Im imagine now. And during his speech, he becomes so emotional that he just uh, standing from his pulpit and the like the pillars of the that muddy mask, muddy shake mask was to be shaking. So he was a great speaker. And every moment of my life was about uh, learning the Holy Quran and the basics of Islam, the Islamic jurisprudence books. So I read the Holy Quran from Alif Lam Mim to One Nas. That means from the first surah to the last chapter with interpretation, with meaning. Mm. And then my father also taught me Persian poetry, Urdu poetry, and he also sent me to a different mosque to learn the primary learning about Islam. But he didn't choose that as my life career, and he opted that. Also, I was myself more about modern education. So the, then he didn't make me a Molana. He didn't enchant me or he didn't shackle my future with his past and make me a Molana like himself, a cleric like himself. Rather, he wanted to see me as a doctor, as a, a modern educated person, to know sciences and languages and computer like around. Though I was very poor in mathematics and science subjects, I couldn't become a doctor. But <laughs> I didn't follow his footsteps in the way that I didn't become a Muslim priest or a Muslim Molana or Islamic education cleric or theology teacher. I became a teacher, but for modern education. I wonder if I can ask about your faith journey growing up in that environment. Did you always believe in God? And has that belief stayed the same or, or evolved over the decades? Ah, it's a very interesting question. So growing up in the village and then learning from my father, learning from other teachers in the mosque, I'm still a Muslim and I believe in Islam. But in those days, like when I was kind of 13, 14 years old and I was uh, 
learning the holy quran from a teacher and those were the days when like it was in 80s and uh, you know that in 1979 soviet union occupied afghanistan and we entered that region entered into a cold war which was hot war for the region but it was like soviet american war a proxy war being fought on the land of afghanistan yes so for that purpose they needed an ideology and the american establishment at that time together with pakistani establishment they built that freedom fight on islamic ideology and jihad became the most uh, popular slogan in the west and in the region in pakistan in afghanistan hundreds and thousands of young boys were recruited and they were ideologically jihadized radicalized you understand my point yes so yes. that was the time when in nebraska university uh, books were published for the refugee children in afghanistan in pakistan and for the children of afghanistan that 2 plus 2 Klashenkovs are equal to four Klashenkovs. Oh my goodness! And that was the time when the curriculum was made in a way that if there are twenty Soviet or Red Army soldiers, like Soviet soldiers, Russian soldiers, and five are killed by a Muslim mujahid, how many will be left? So these were subtraction questions. Okay. So, so the so curriculum really they was hijacked, they hijacked religion for their purposes. exactly so that i mean in other countries this is very interesting part of the history and very tragic part of the history of their time that in other countries people rose against the soviet union on nationalism uh, but in afghanistan islam was used as the most powerful weapon to fight against uh, the so called communism or socialism and there was a huge propaganda in usa and i still know that socialism is kind of stigma <laughs> there which is very unfortunate unfortunate un- un- our communism is like a stigma there are stories i will not go in that but i mean this radicalization was done to the extent that it reached to me it didn't spare a boy in the mountains of shangla like this jihadi philosophy that was created and developed by the us establishment and with the help of pakistani establishment of that time it became so popular in the region that the media the dramas the articles in the newspapers all was about it to radicalize people to inspire people to motivate people to be fighters against the russian occupation so that was the time when I was learning the Holy Quran in that small mosque in my village in the mountains of Shangla. My teacher, my Islamic studies teacher, the teacher who taught me the interpretation of the Holy Quran, he inculcated me jihad so much that I started praying to God after every prayer. I was very punctual in prayers at that time. That every time I prayed. after my prayers that oh god let there be a fight between the muslims and non muslims and i'm killed i should be killed even at that time i was peaceful i didn't want to kill anyone so my wish was for martyrdom i wanted to become a martyr 
you understand my point yes i do so what my prayer dilemma. was not to be a killer <laughs> my wish and my prayer was to be martyred to be killed for the cause of islam so you can understand now that how faith is misused and abused by the vested interests and how it destroys people's lives and it is still destroying the people of millions of afghans and pashtuns and pakistanis in that region it has not ended and somehow it's still there some yes. somehow you have held on to a faith but it seems like it must be different and 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 I'll ask you more about this in a minute from some addresses I've heard you give but how did you hold on to a belief in god through that misuse of religion so this is very interesting because i was a person who believed in critical thinking and i didn't follow things blindly and that's why as a teacher i always emphasize on critical thinking i personally think that better to be ignorant than indoctrinated if you are indoctrinated on a particular ideology whether it is capitalism or communism or islam or judaism or hinduism and you are being told that this is the final and ultimate truth you should believe in and there is nothing beyond this so such kind of education is indoctrination and it's very harmful very lethal for human beings honestly speaking and my experience is that being a person who was very thoughtful and who believed in critical thinking and who was thinking about everything i i was very stressed in some days as a boy that all the time i was thinking thinking at, at, at that time about god that where is god how he would be where did he come from or she come from now i use the she as well because at those time i only thought of he okay <laughs> i'm changing now so <laughs> uh where he or she has come from and uh, like many questions and believe me for those questions i reprimanded myself every time every day i condemned myself i was feeling so guilty that why such questions come to my mind it is like sin to raise such questions even in my thoughts so later on i mean uh because of the um, modern education because of the uh, education that uh, open your eyes and your heart and your mind to different ideologies to different perspectives it made me able to come out of that traumatic stress that i was committing a sin if i was thinking even differently you mm. understand my point yes, so i, I was completely indoctrinated for some time but i'm so grateful to my father may god bless my father that he didn't choose his uh life career or his profession for me because believe me if i had that mindset which i had when i was in year uh in grade 9 uh, or 10 uh which i was equipped with this uh indoctrination uh that i should be a fighter or i should be killed uh in the path of islam i think most probably i would have been god forbid been gone to very bad hands and very ugly hands and somebody might have made me as a suicide jacket for their <laughs> ulterior motives but i'm so thankful to my father uh and when i went to uh 
a, a small pilgrimage uh, to Makkah um, in 2013. Uh, so I prayed for my father that, oh, father, you <laughs> gave me light. Mm. Yes. Mm. Mr. Yusuf Zai, somehow I have the feeling that through peaceful means, you've still ended up being a fighter. <laughs> a, a whole of different, course. A whole different so, <laughs> jihad, a whole different struggle. Yes, I'm a fighter. I'm proud to be a fighter. And <laughs> a fighter, like a peaceful fighter. Exactly. A, a fighter who believes in words and voice. Yeah. And <clears throat> I'm a bit emotional. Sorry. That's fine. And there is a, a very famous verse in the holy book that al-haq zahuka. It means in English that truthfulness will prevail and falsehood has to go. Mm. And falsehood has gone. This was the belief, believe me, in Swat Valley that I believed that for me, Islam, because what the Islam that was taught by my father, that was respecting elders, respecting parents, taking care of the neighborhood, to be kind to the trees, to animals, to human beings, to be very inclusive, to be, to be respecting every faith. And because of the political um, uh, uh, grooming of myself later in life, I knew that the Islam that was taught to me in a mosque and that was radicalizing me, it was all political. It had nothing to do with Islam. That is all spiritualism, all love, all compassion, all empathy. So, um, uh, 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 I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a proud Muslim, uh, but I must say that uh, I'm a secular person and a kind of like I don't want that. Uh, I don't uh, believe that religion should be involved in. Uh, politics are in state affairs or it should be used because um, the, the, that practice uh, when you accept it, it, it as a uh, when state owns a faith, a particular ideology or faith, uh, then it becomes very hard for the uh, other uh, faith people. Um, then you can't have inclusiveness. Then you can't have respect for the diversity and you end up with the violation of human rights of the people who are different in faith. Yes. From you. And yeah. it, like all religions, Islam even calls for education. And of so course. Yeah. And I think you've been very good at separating religion and faith. And uh, I'm quite struck by what you said about how it can be used when a state adopts a religion, how it can then become used as uh, against people instead of uh, something to uplift. Of course, of course. I mean, I will tell you an interesting story. We, we uh, in 2000, uh, probably in 2017 or 18, we uh, went to Atlanta and Malala and I myself, we were there and we visited uh, Ebenezer Church, which was Dr. Martin King's, Luther Dr. King King's Jr. Church. Church, very historical church. And I was feeling so inspired there. The very environment was so inspirational, spiritually enriching. So the, 
uh, uh, Reverend Warnock, who is the uh, head of that church, um, uh, and he told very interesting thing to us that, uh, like in those days, uh, Bible are the like yeah, it was used by the bad people for uh, interpreting it in a way that they wanted to exploit people or um, bring a division in people. But Martin Luther King. Uh, and his father, and especially himself, he took the same book and he uh, preached through that those verses of the Bible, uh, humanity, human rights, uh, like respect for everyone. So, I mean, this is something about all holy books that if you, there are things which are very contextual and sometimes bad people make it as ultimate truth and they build on that and rather than uh, focusing on the uh, the big messages of the uh, faith, they go to the particular things which benefit them or which uh, make them to be able to make a party, <laughs> to make a political party. Yes. So, I mean, uh, we should all discourage it, whether it is in Islam or in Christianity or Judaism or Hinduism. Uh, and we see what's happening all around the world. Uh, in the name of Islam or Hinduism in India or maybe in other countries, in the name of faith, I think as a human beings, we should be very mindful that whether the faiths which were once upon a time were there to benefit humanity, to save humanity, now it's harming humanity and it is destroying our humanity. We should think differently and um, this extremism should end everywhere. Mr. Yousafzai, I have just a few more minutes with you. You spoke recently via electronic means with the student body here at Brigham Young University in a forum. As I was listening, I wrote down several questions thinking, if I ever spoke with this man, what would I ask him? I did not know I would be speaking with you. So here are those questions that I wrote down. Please. One is personal. I wonder if your gift of empathy you mentioned in your forum address being bullied for having darker skin and for stammering or stuttering. Yes. And you yes. used the phrase, you decided to have positive revenge. Revenge. What does yes. that mean? What does that mean to you? Yeah. That means that, I mean, we all in our communities, in our societies, if a girl or a boy, a man, a woman, we find difficult situations in, in, in situations in our lives and we come across bad people. Uh, we come across people with uh, bad intentions and a bad mindset and they may harm us because of our race, because of our faith, because of our color. So my positive revenge is that we should not hate them. We should hate the practice that is there. For example, if I hear that I have been harmed by a white person, okay, for being a man of color, a person of color, mm -hmm. so I should not reciprocate it with hate for every white person, okay? Uh, hating that particular person, I should raise my voice that it's unfair, as great leaders like Martin Luther King and Nelson, Nelson Mandela did, uh, that this uh, discrimination based on color, that should stop. We should respect every color. The same is about faiths. I tell people that if you 
here a story like uh, some terrorism happens in France or in America or in Germany, somewhere else. And then there is a story that Islamic terrorist, Muslim terrorist. So, of course, that person is of that faith. But that also gives a message, broader message, which is very negative, that every Muslim will be like him, which is not true. Right. So we should uh, separate rather than associating 1.6 billion Muslim with one dead guy who has gone astray or who has lost his right path. So associating billions of Muslims with that one guy, I mean, we are not benefiting anyone. We are rather supporting that person who is a terrorist. We support him and we multiply him. You understand my point? So I mean that we should say, oh, terrorism is bad. It should be condemned. Whoever is involved. And I can give you the example of uh, Jessica Arden, the New Zealand prime minister. Yes. When a mosque was attacked and Muslims were killed, her response as a leader was incredible. So if the leaders respond to it like that, we will have more harmony rather than division and rather than building for our own ugly politics on dividing people in the name of race or faith, I think we should bridge people. So that's my positive revenge, Rick, that rather than <laughs> hating the person in my village who mimicked me for my stammering, I, 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 I always respected him. And now he respects me so much that person is still alive there. Mm. Right? But I gave a message that yes, I stammer, but nobody should be ridiculed and nobody should be looked down upon if they, they have some special needs or if they are have some uh, like um, deficiency, physical deficiency, whatever, we should respect. So, I mean, you understand what I mean. Yes. <laughs> Two final questions, if you still have time. Yes, yes, I have hours and hours, please. <laughs> <laughs> then, please. then I'm going to take all of that time. It's one thing to look back on something that has been successful. For instance, Malala, who followed in your footsteps, like father, like daughter, Nobel yeah. Peace Laureate, the organization that you have founded and the work that you do. It's one thing to look back on that and say, this was good. We feel like maybe we were led or supported. But at the time you were living through threats, at the time when someone shot your daughter, you didn't know how all of these things would turn out and how it would positively affect the world. What did you hold on to through that that kept you going oh. in, in dangerous circumstances? There were multiple things. Number one was my faith, which I said before, that I believed that what I was standing for was right and was truth. I believed that the bad people who in the name of Taliban are there and who are stopping girls to be going to school or destroying their schools, they are wrong. Their ideology is false. And I challenged them many times. The very first word of our holy book is Iqra, which means read. Mm. So how the book which begins from read can stop girls to be going to school? So the first and foremost thing was my belief that what I was standing for was the right, not only right in the material world, but in the spiritual world. You understand my point? So, this so was whether the first it thing. was difficult or not, it was the right thing. 
yeah it was the right thing so i stood because standing for the right thing is easy number 1 number 2 i believe in human dignity i had read about martin luther king about nelson mandela about gandhi ji about bachcha khan i heard great stories from my father about great human rights activist and my second strength was that if i am living and i should live with all my human rights and my human dignity so my rights inspired me we had two option to live in subjugation of taliban forever or to stand up and speak up against them raise our voice against them and then restore our dignity and freedom so we took the second option because for me life is not just breathing in oxygen and taking out uh, carbon dioxide it is something about our humanity so that was the second important thing that our rights inspired us to stand for our rights the last thing i mean about belief one day my friend told me this is something which you may not you may laugh at it okay um, my friend told me that uh, there are threats to your lives you have been they will kill you and there was some rumor about i was being killed which was wrong but they spread this rumor about me in 2010 that uh, i have been killed by taliban in, on the road so my friend was like persuading me that i should stop my activism and i told him that look we have no option we have no option the only option is to speak up and i told him if i'm here i'm with my children but if i go and i die i will be with my lovely father and mother <laughs> you understand <laughs> so i mean in difficult times then you justify your activism because that becomes something that becomes your life you breathe your activism then you don't think about other things on the battlefield i mean i have not been that kind of warrior <laughs> but on a battlefield it is a battlefield then you have to do things which are very right and very important to get rid of the slavery and subjugation yeah mm. in your forum address here at Brigham Young University you talked about swimming against the flow and the tide and eventually even changing the direction of that flow and the phrase yes. the phrase that i wrote down and i have been thinking about ever since because it struck me as completely true is that everybody has a holy book here meaning inside yes everybody yeah, has so in a prophet inside them their conscience yes. i hope i got your words correctly yeah. you really feel that you believe that Yes, I'm so lucky that I have a prophet in my heart, believe me. <laughs> I have a god in my mind who is always guiding me to on the right path. And it is so simple. It is so simple and I'm so lucky that when I'm confused, so things are very simple. We have complicated it through different things. It's very easy to know the right and wrong. i will not disown the holy books or the great saints or the great scholars who have contributed to the history throughout their lives and where we stand we owe to them so that is fine but i believe that having all these holy books and holy saints and great leaders there everyone has a holy book in her heart in his heart and we must listen to it 
and there is a god in our minds we must listen to him or her i mean they will always guide us on the right path that is so important that is so important otherwise what is the problem basically stream there are people who consider themselves that what they say for example if there is a muslim religious leader or maybe a christian leader or maybe a jew leader of faith what happens they have their own agendas and they think that what they say is the voice of god and i think what they say is not always the voice of god we have the voices of, of god in our hearts too so if we just give ourselves whole holy solely to a religious leader there is a fair chance that we go astray thank you for listening to my speech so carefully i, I didn't i didn't think that my words were so important <laughs> but thank you so much uh, and i believe that yes there is a prophet in everyone's heart and we must listen to him or her i think those words are very important they struck me and i'm considering in my mind how different the world could be if people would take responsibility to listen to god speaking in them and in their conscience the way that you're talking about rather yes. than giving all power of decision and direction to outside sources as wise yeah. as they may be we call it conscience but what happens that sometime we are so indoctrinated by people for their political agendas that our conscience is polluted it forgets thinking it forgets that what is right and what is wrong by itself it always look to that one person who claims that he is divine or he is from god and what is he or she is saying is the ultimate truth which is not yes mr ziaudin yusafzai what an honor it is for me to speak with you and i truly appreciate the time that you take to tirelessly i hope you get enough sleep but the work that you do all Thank around so all around the world and truly it's an honor that you would take time to speak with us here you're most welcome thank you so much for having me on the show and for having this thoughtful and very productive conversation thank you so much that's our time for today Thanks to educator and social activist Ziaudin Yusufzai for generously sharing his stories and his faith. In Good Faith is committed to the idea that we all benefit from hearing people of widely varying backgrounds share their personal experience with faith and belief. In fact, we think people with such experience deserve some of our best listening. Email us ingoodfaith@byu.edu. And if you enjoy the show, be sure you leave a comment or a review where you get your podcasts. It helps spread the word. Our Twitter feed is at In Good Faith BYU. In Good Faith is a production of BYU Radio. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. I hope you'll join me again soon, right here in Good Faith.